All right, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest. I'm delighted he agreed to the interview. His name is Michael Parker, and he has been a longtime host in the alternative media. He has a super fascinating background and has interviewed really amazing people. Uh, some of my favorite people, Dave McGowan, uh, John McAfee. I don't know if he's my favorite. Very interesting guy. Graham Hancock, among others. He's done a bunch of different shows he's produced. He's also hosted uh, one show was called Dark Matter. I think I saw him on The Antidote because I've watched other shows on that. And then the most recent was Deprogram. But uh, he has a lot of really fascinating history and I've done a lot of shows. He produced The Hidden Truth with Jim Breslau, a show I hadn't heard about. But 30 episodes on Epstein, 30 episodes on what happened in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas shooting. There's a lot of problems with that. But uh I'm delighted to have him. We're going to kind of talk about the current events in the media, this whole firing of Tucker Carlson, what it represents, what it means for the legacy media, what it means for the alternative media, the new media, however you want to describe it. But uh, Michael Parker, welcome to the show. William, it is an absolute pleasure, and I'm really glad to be here. And I'm glad that we met recently through you know yeah. a mutual friend of ours. So um, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for asking. Yeah, me. awesome. Me too. It's great to meet you. And uh, we sat down and talked shop for three hours uh, yeah, last Friday. So, you know, you pick up a lot of interesting insights and perspectives. But for people who hasn't haven't heard your name, Mike, can you kind of go back through your sure. history and kind of what you've done leading up to today and where you, where you are now? Well, I kind of accidentally fell into the whole Internet radio thing. Um, I worked in the music business for a long time. I was a musician. I made records. I moved out here. Um, I worked for Virgin for a while. In late 90s, um, early 2000, um, I kind of spearheaded this streaming audio radio station for Virgin. It was called Radio Free Virgin. And it was, I mean, there was a couple of us that were involved in it, but essentially it went from being a virtual listening post. We used to have listening posts in, in record stores at that point. And this was a listening station on a website for an e-commerce site. I was like, well, hey, wait a minute. Let's turn this into a full-blown radio station. Long story short, about a year and a half later, we had 50 channels of streaming audio. That was my initial um, kind of uh, involvement in streaming audio. And then move forward a few years. Next thing you know, I'm working for another tech company. They want to get in, in internet radio. And they said, Parker, you know about all this weird stuff. Would you do a coast-to-coast -coast kind of show for us? I was like, absolutely. Because the other interest that I had besides music um, was always, for lack of a better term, paranormal and conspiracy and all these things. I mean, ever since I was a kid, I was reading about these subjects. So I did, I think, a couple of hundred episodes of that show, which was called Dark Matter. Um, and this was, you know, this is after 9-11. So we did some 9-11 truth stuff. I became friendly with the loose change guys. But also we did a lot of stuff on the whole UFO ET enigma. And then I got hired by Discovery to do a paranormal show for them, which ended up never airing and was my introduction to television. And I worked in television for a couple of years, eventually coming back to internet radio. And eventually I got a, a job with Lip TV doing probably the show that people know me the best for, which is Antidote. And Antidote was an internet television station. And um, that was Lip TV was an internet radio station. Sean Stone was on there. Um, we had several really good hosts and that lasted for about four years. I was on there for two years because I came on midterm. But that's when I um, spoke with Han Graham Hancock, 
uh, McAfee, as you mentioned, and those videos still exist out there on YouTube. If you look up Michael Parker Antidote and Dave McGowan, Dave McGowan was my very first episode, and it's probably to this day the single most talked about episode I ever did. I had done an interview with Dave a few months beforehand on a little internet radio show I was doing um, called The Electric Pyramid. I was basically just trying to get things going again to launch myself into a situation. And David was just putting out um, that Laurel Canyon book. And me being a big rock and roll fan, I was immediately gravitated towards that. He did a show with me on Electric Pyramid. We got along great. So when I got the Antidote gig, I was like, my very first guest, we're here in LA, got to reach out to Dave McGowan. And let me just say, for those of you who are Dave fans, he was the kindest, gentlest, um, he was humble. He was just a great guy. And, you know, for me, I was just, I was nobody. Um, but he not only came on one of my shows, he came on two of my shows. He was very supportive of me. And I can't say enough about Dave. I mean, he was just a really great, really great guy. Super and, influential. People are still referencing Program to Kill. I see it almost every week on my uh, social media. Somebody's showing me the book or whatever. So including what you were uh, interviewed him for, weird scenes too. So yeah. And uh, so I did 62 episodes of Antidote. And um, and then that company went out of business. A lot of these startups ended up going out of business, as you well know. Um, and then I'm trying to think what happened after that. Um, but I, most recently, I did 600, get this, 600 hours of interviews for a show called Deprogram on TNT Radio. And after 600 shows, they decided to let me go in early January. So once again, I'm out here, free agent, taking a little bit of time off to clear my head. But my interests have always been, I think, the same themes that you cover on your show is, you know, what makes this crazy world of ours work the way it works and why do people in government intelligence agencies the corporate world do what they do what relationship does that potentially have to occult or satanic things or you know just a basically an overlook at culture and you know which brings us to this week which is actually an extremely important week um you know joe biden announces he's going to run for president again as if anybody wanted that to happen meanwhile um, Tucker Carlson, arguably the most popular personality on news on a news platform on television, gets laid off. Um, now it looks like we may be staring down the gun of yet another war, which is the Sudan thing, which is a whole other deep dive. That's happening. But meanwhile, the you know the Tucker story. That's the thing that's gotten all the air out of the room. So regardless of all these issues with Biden and whether he's even mentally capable, not to mention his son's issues, all anybody's talking about is Tucker. And, and they should be talking about Tucker because it is a very important story to people like us and to people who just who want to have a different version of the news besides the Mockingbird um, legacy media. Now, listen, Tucker is going to be fine. He's a very, very wealthy man. And by all accounts, it looks to me like he's a happy man with a good family. Um, so he's going to land on his feet. Um, the people that lose out are really just those of us who don't want to watch other legacy media. And also, I think that Fox loses out. But I think that Murdoch 
I try to explain this to my wife. It's like, honey, Fox is not pro-Trump. You've got to understand that. She's like, oh, they're they're right wing. They're they're pro-Trump. I'm like, actually, they're not. And it's weird because today when I was prepping for this interview, I was thinking about um, this show that's on HBO Max called Secession. Succession. It's a very popular show. They're in their third or final season. And it's not a secret. It's kind of semi-based on the Murdoch family. And it's about this, you know, he's the patriarch. He's got this giant media corporation. And Succession is to Murdoch as um, House of Cards was to the Clintons. And in a way, both of those shows kind of give you an insight into how these things work. House of Cards, it gives you an insight into how Congress and lobbying and and power works and how crooked and terrible some of these people could be. And it was clearly the Clintons that they were talking about. In succession, it shows you how kind of crooked and horrible some of the people in media can be. And um, so the deal with the Tucker thing, this is the one guy, this is the one guy that I can think of, whether you like him or not, um, that came out against the Ukraine war, that came out at... Um, wanting to know more about J6, um, criticized COVID and our issues related with that. So this guy, you know, he's got the military industrial complex and big pharma all hating on him. And I also have to say, this is just my opinion, but I don't think that he was really surprised that this happened. And, but I think it's good form if it happens to you at least act like you're surprised because we also don't know what his contract says. And I'm, my understanding is that he's going to be paid on a monthly basis for the next, I don't know, 16, 20 months, which, so I don't know what kind of NDA he, he NDA yeah, he might've signed making 1.6 mil a month. So I think and, he's okay. I think, he's and fine. I think they're going to pay him about that much a month now. And now this gets us to the interesting part of the whole Tucker thing. So what was his firing really about? And I think it was about a multitude of things. I don't think it was about a single thing. I do not have inside skinny to say definitively what it was, but I think it's, you know, it's a list of very easy things. Um, one, he just basically, he just did not abide by keeping to the globalist narrative. You know, he questioned things that all of us regular people want to question and he was like our one guy that we had speaking for us on this platform, which is kind of part of my larger overall thing on this. I mean, look, Hannity wasn't going to ask these questions, you know, and and essentially Fox is now just another. Uh, what's what was the word I'm looking for? Neo um, neo conservative. Neocon, yeah. yeah, neocon outfit. So with 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 um, Tucker gone, he's going to be fine. Ultimately, we're going to be fine, but it's a damn shame. And I think that it was done to send a message not only to other hosts to stay in their lane, but also just like the mask in COVID is to get us all to shut up. And he was our he was our spokesperson for a portion of us. And this whole thing is to send this message. You better sit down, you better shut up, and you better comply. Of course, we're not going to do that, but that is the takeaway message, in my opinion, regarding the Tucker story. I totally agree. And I think it was worth them to make them, the, everybody get the message to pay him $1.6 million for yes. whatever many years. Like, okay, things are so serious. He was starting to sound like a pod, independent podcast host. Yes. Like every time I watch it, you're talking about J6. He's talking about Big Pharma. 
he's talking about all this stuff. It's like at a certain point they had to just either get rid of him. But I like I think it also signals another end for the legacy media. This is just going to make him even more yes. like a bunch of old uh, meaningless dinosaurs. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. And um, I've heard a couple of people hypothesize, and I don't think that they're wrong. And this goes back to the succession thing. Um, you know, maybe Murdoch is going to sell this. Maybe he's liquidating properties, maybe getting rid of um, Tucker. It doesn't really have that much to do with Dominion. Dominion was the excuse they used to let go of him. And in this little, uh, there's this little suit now against one of the employees saying that, Right. You Grossberg, know, I think, is the girl's yeah, yeah. name. But I think that's all nonsense. I think I think that they they were just waiting for the right moment right. to let go of him. And that's so why why are they let go of it? Maybe they are gonna sell it, and maybe they're just cutting their losses. And this is reflected in that show succession, um, because they're talking about selling their very fox-like property. But this is just me. I might be wrong. No, no, I think you're right. And it's one of those things where the fiction matches reality because that's it. The other thing that I found about the Tucker firing is very similar to me as O'Keefe. It's almost yes. like they have the these tendrils. I don't know. I haven't watched Succession, but we're not going to get him one way. We're going to get him different ways. So the, the character assassination of this girl, like apparently from my reading, never even worked with him. Like she just got emails like she didn't even cross him in the hall, said that. Oh, yeah, he's like an anti-Semite racist bigot, but, you know, threw everything at the book at him. But I think that was the same thing they did with the, uh, with uh, the guy from Veritas, right? Yeah. James. Uh, yeah. They it's they it. said that like, he was a bad boss. He was a little harsh toward me. But they made sure that got out. The character assassination, I think, was one very important component of both of those firings, and also the infiltration of an organization to do it. Like it doesn't come from the outside. You get somebody a plant in there or somebody suspicious and make it facilitate the uh, the downfall. One of the things that's that's irked me, it doesn't surprise me, of course, it is this way, but, you know, so so they let go of, of Tucker. So now we cut to all of these clips of the responses of those um, on the left, um, like AOC, the women on The View or whatever, and they're all like, hallelujah, but also members of the Pentagon feel the same way because he was very critical of them. My point is, is like, you guys, this isn't really a good thing. It's not a good thing for them. No, it's not a good thing because they might come for you one day and you're just too dim to get it yet. So this is not a good thing. This is not a time to go, you know, dancing down the lane because it might, you know, that gun might be pointed at you one day. Good point. But it also is that they may have made somebody even more powerful by getting him out of the legacy media. Yeah, He already has yeah. this huge following. Like, so people may just follow him just like the guy from Veritas, right? Yep. I mean, they're just going to restart somewhere else with more independence, with more safety, more security, and more freedom. Like that's, it may have been a better idea just to keep him in there and try to, you know, reel him in somehow. Like you there know, must, the, there might've been something going on in the back, you know, the boardrooms about like, Hey, you're really on the edge there, Tucker. You better watch out. You know? Oh, I think for sure that was part of it too, because I, listen for the last 24 hours, because I thought we might be talking about this and because I'm just interested in it. Um, I've just listened to all these various opinions, people theorizing, like, why did this happen? How? So, I like I say, I think it's a confluence of several different things. I think that, you know, part of the board, part of the investors wanted him gone. Um, I think the globalists want him gone. 
I think clearly the Biden administration wants him gone. A lot of people wanted him gone. And now by letting him go, yes, they have, in fact, made him more powerful. So the question to me, and I'm not a lawyer, is like, so what what kind of agreements is he in? Can he talk now? Can he take another job? Because I think OWN, which is based in San Diego, their owner has already made him a very lucrative deal. And, you know, Tucker's a very wealthy man to begin with. So money's not, I don't think, really an issue. But I don't know if he's bound by any kind of contractual issues that would keep him from speaking or taking another job yet. It's a good question. You'd have to look at the contract. I think if it depends where his thing is, I think there's no kind of contractual thing to keep people from switching jobs. I think that's pretty much settled. But uh, I don't know. Like, I'm sure he has a huge NDA. He's not supposed to talk about anything. Most of those guys do. Yeah. I mean, a big, a big business would ensure that he has that in there. So. He probably can't talk about what happened, but I think he's probably free. He's probably just free from all that stuff that he had to go through. The another controls. In, well, another, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm so excited. And there's a couple of things that were interesting to me about this. On the other hand, on the same day, Don Lemon gets fired. Nobody's talking about that hardly at all. And Don Lemon, incredibly unlikable human being and really not a great journalist and had a lot of issues already simmering in the background. I think he had a, a sexual assault case that recently got resolved or something. I'm sure he paid that person off. But, I mean, he was just kind of an unsavory person, um, and his ratings were not good. Anyway, long story short, you know, he gets laid off the same day that Tucker gets, or well, they both get fired, rather, whatever you want to call it. On the same day, one person from Fox, one person from CNN, and who's the only person they're talking about? They're talking about Tucker Carlson. Because he's the guy that people were listening to. He was the one that scared all of these people who were parts of the situations that he was criticizing. Right. So very different. Le Lemon was just a go-along guy. He was never that sharp anyway. Mm -mm. He was, And he would just criticize people. And, and uh, annoying. annoying. <laughs> I don't even know who watches that. I don't know exactly. anybody really that well. I don't know really anybody with the kind of an incisive mind who watches TV media anymore. I don't really know. Maybe Carlson was the last of it. People that I thought were smart watched, but William, that so is a great point. I was telling my wife, I'm like, oh, and another thing, I, I'm, I'm part of this little WhatsApp group of travelers because my wife and I went to Egypt last year, which maybe sometime we could talk about. But anyway, so several of us who are from all over the world still talk about things, and the Tucker firing came up in our little group a day or two ago when it happened, and I said Bartiromo's next because. To me, Tucker and Bartiromo are just about the only two people that I can think of right off the bat that I have any time to listen to on major legacy television news these days, cable or not. And because um, I just I just don't have time for it. So to your point about CNN, it's like I go in the gym, my local gym, they've got CNN on just like they do in the airports because that's the only people that watch a CNN is people who are already somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> that, they, that they don't have a choice to watch it. and um, But yeah, I mean, Tucker, on the other hand, immensely popular, immensely influential. And Maria Bartiromo, I think that I, I love the fact that she went from financial news um, to more. I mean, she's still in Fox business, but she's very political and I like her work, but I think she'll be the next to get the can. I think you're right. Didn't she already have some kind of character assassination attempt on her too? Probably. I thought, probably. I thought that there was another employee that said, that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they get, they really try it. Like, I think that that's now another component of this whole censorship industrial complex 
which has very different tendrils or different prongs in their assaults, but they seem to have it down, like invade, like it's almost like a Gramscian, uh, you know, communist type thing where you burrow your way through the institutions and kick out the people who are telling the truth. I mean, it's incredible. Like they really do, they really do scout people. And you mentioned AOC, didn't you? They're like she was yes. really smug about it. Like she, she doesn't understand the the consequences of this. She's not a bright person. I mean, she obviously doesn't read a lot of books or anything. It doesn't understand context. It doesn't care. And so I, you know, like and William, how do you how do you get to that point? Because even regardless of which political stripe you are, and I know that I'm being naive, but aren't you smart enough to not? We all have our smug moments where we bask in something maybe too long or something. But by and large, I think we try to keep a lid on it if we're in the public arena because we understand that what we say in the moment could have ramifications later. So, yes, the fact that she said what she said about what did she say? She said um, cancellation is good or something like that. She's for it. Like, are you kidding me? Don't don't show yourself as being that dim. You just pretend pretend <laughs> Don't it's like it. a vulgar kind of clumsy you know kind of like not a very sharp thing to say keep it to yourself but yeah that's what they believe i mean there was a congressman massey i think he's from kentucky yes. who went into some meeting and he had a literal uh senator ask how are we going to censor this story like this is unconstitutional it's not even made probably a lot of that stuff that they did on censorship that i was a i was kind of like the person who got censored was flat out illegal unconstitutional but it's also the principle of the constitution too whether it's legal or not but i mean that nobody talks about it you they have expunged the whole constitutional principles and bill of rights from the public arena which i think is very successful because well that well is said. really that's really the stake in the heart of this vampire of the industrial uh censorship complex no question about it you know when i met you the other day we were talking about various things and it's like that's the thing that makes me the, the saddest. You know, I'm I'm no spring chicken. I'm 60 years old. And um, I'm, I don't think I'm old-fashioned, but I like the general ideas of our Constitution and our Republic as it was built. And basically, it's being disassembled in front of our eyes, and people are acting like it's not a big deal because the way they do it is they clothe it or they obscure it in social issues. You know, it's always for the children or it's for this group of people or it's for that. But really what they're doing is disassembling the thing in front of you and they're scaring you to death um, with being ostracized if you were to speak out against it. Oh, well, you're part of, you know, you're a right-wing lunatic or something. The far right. If you complain, you're a far right. If you say you're for the Bill of Rights, you're far right. Yeah, you're (laughs) not. It's totally insane because it's not a right or left issue. No, it's an issue for all Americans. It's about man against versus the state. So they're just creating and increasing this gargantuan state power from so many administrative bodies, whether well, FBI, CIA, Department of Defense. I would. I was. These people in. Yeah, and then I was listening to. I think it was Ron Paul. He did a show either this morning or yesterday, and he was basically talking about all these people at the Pentagon who are just as giddy as AOC right. that Tucker's gone. And he's like, you know, meanwhile, they can't win a war, you know, they, they, and you can't criticize them for how they run their business and how they um, lead the American military. Yeah. By the way, just the other day, I, t- I just taken my daughter to school and I'm flipping channels 
and um, Glenn Beck comes on. And, you know, I'm not a huge Glenn Beck fan, but I don't dislike him either. I just don't listen to him that much. But anyway, he's talking about ammunition and he's talking about the am amount of ammunition that we here in the U.S. have left. And because we're giving a lot of this to Ukraine and we are literally in a weeks to days type issue if what he's saying is true. So let's just say we get into another conflagration, <coughs> Sudan, um, or God knows what else, and we need ammunition, well, guess what? Um, we're kind of behind the eight ball because we just don't have enough because we sent most of it to Ukraine. So we are in a world of hurt right now, and it is being portrayed to us as if we are not, and it really bothers me. Yeah, it's a huge waste. I mean, we could yeah. be spending that money domestically on anything, anything better than that, a wasteful war, a border war against Russia who wants to protect its borders. Their concerns were totally sensible. And they, uh, the American people have been lied. Tucker Carlson was probably one of the only ones who's telling them the truth. All these other corporate people, it's really kind of a fascist. It is a fascist kind of state, but for sure, uh, it's, it has a left-wing kind of flag over it. But uh, they're not telling people the truth about Ukraine because they installed Zelensky. It's totally corrupt. It was involved in the impeachment of, of Trump. All that stuff. Remember, it was a phone call that he supposedly did, which was his abuse of power when in fact, I mean, it's in your face like, it's yeah. absolutely the opposite, but uh, it's very concerning. Like in the Department of Defense is probably slavering like a bunch of wolves because they know the stockpiles are low, which means that there's going to be some more orders down the line, right? That's a good point. Billions, billions of more will be wasted uh, and their fat cats will get richer and more young kids will die in Ukraine. I mean, I think how many have died there already? A quarter million. So it's a meat grinder. It's yes. a meat grinder that uh, making money for those other people. So people should be scared because you're on the precipice of nuclear war. I mean, the Russians are talking some very serious stuff and people around here are just like, oh, well, I just hope it doesn't happen. And you have two complete idiots in power. Like Biden <gasps> is an non-compost mentis and she is a total idiot. She just said something today like a fifth grade teacher. I mean, I've said it before, like a fourth or fifth grade teacher smarter than her. Like, I don't know how she became, I don't know how she became vice president. And and they're going to go with him and her again, really? I mean, we there. Um, I think that I don't even remember what the percentage was, but it was well over fifty percent of Democrats do not want him to run again. But he's going to run. But you just made me think of something. So when I was doing deprogram, I talked about this a lot, and because Ukraine was beginning to happen, and the thing that bothered me the most from the very beginning, even before I came to understand more of just how bad it was. But the thing that struck me the most was from the very beginning, the U.S., instead of using our place to mediate, we instigated and no, we no doubt. and we helped this thing along. So that was the thing that bothered me the most. And I didn't all I knew was like, look, and, and if you're a Ukrainian, I, I apologize for what I'm about to say a little bit, but it just is what it is. I remember telling members of my own family, I'm like, well, because they were, you know, oh, man, somebody's going to have to do this or that to Putin. I'm like, well, OK, well, if that happens, then who's going to replace him? It might be worse than Putin. And by the right. way, I just want to be clear that when you look at the list of countries and, and, and how corrupt they are, Ukraine is kind of in that list as one of the most corrupt. And, and they've had a lot of help from us, which we've since found out a whole lot about that we don't have to go into. But the thing that bothered me the most was just this fact that we clearly had no intention of mediating this crisis. We we wanted this crisis, unfortunately. 
No question. There's absolutely the no no question. The primary motivator of this conflict is the United States. And they installed Zelensky and he subsequently got rid of any opposing parties and took control of the media. So it's like a dictatorship run by the U.S. So people in the in the American public should go and pour some cold ice water on their face and wake up. This is not a democracy. All those other politicians are saying this is in your interest. They're probably getting some kind of kickback or something because it's not. There's nothing in Ukraine. And there, some of these whack jobs are talking about what's going to happen after the war, how we're going to spend money rebuilding Ukraine. So you're looking at a, just a siphon off of the public fix, which we, we cannot afford $31 trillion in debt. I'm sure they can afford it because they'll just build other houses and get nicer cars. But uh, the rest of the chumps like me are going to be holding the, the bill forever. It's a total joke. It is a corrupt Ukraine is a corrupt, total joke. It's an and humani humanitarian crisis. Oh. I really thought, I really thought, and this was not an original thought on my part, but um, George Webb has been on my shows before, and I think he's a smart guy, and he's a really friendly guy. I met him through my friend Peter Duke. and um, But he made a prediction last fall that he thought this thing would wrap up and basically, you know, th that rebuilding, that those billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars would get thrown out there. And then all these contractors and folks would, would, would drink at the trough. That made sense to me. I was like, yeah, you know what? Actually, you're probably right. Surely this will not continue. Surely they'll go for payday at some point, but here we are. I mean, we're in April. This thing is still going on. Eventually. I think that is the scenario that occurs, but the thing that makes all this worse to me is that, and this ties into Sudan, is that Victoria Nuland was involved back in 2014 in the overthrow in Ukraine. And now we know that on March 19th, she was in Sudan. So this is a wow. woman who, like, trouble just follows her. Um, it doesn't really follow her. It is her. <laughs> it, it, it is her. When she shows up. Uh, right. Yeah. And so anyway, I'm very, I'm very Concerned her that husband's now a full neocon. Kagan is of neocon, died in the wool, 100%. in the blood, unrepentant, yep. doesn't care about people they kill. It's probably part of, you know, some kind of scheme. I, I don't have any proof of that, but I wouldn't but trust any, those people, you know. Me I know some of these other characters are over there, too. I forgot what her name is. It's, uh, oh, I call them the satanic duo from hell. It's uh, Cass Sunstein's wife, Samantha Powell, Yes, too, yes, know? yes. So we got all that going on. So meanwhile, this week, all anybody's talking about, including me, is talking about Tucker. But all these other things are happening. And the reason that I wanted to talk to you about it is just because not so much about Tucker, but what it means to the American people, to people who want to watch something besides government, military, industrial, pharmaceutical, industry, complex, sanctioned news. What does it mean to us? And it means that People are going to have to continue to listen to William Ramsey and other um, non-legacy news to get their information because the one guy that we could listen to, well, he's out of a job. And so it's just interesting. Not only am I interested in this in a political fashion, but I'm also interested in it in a psyche and communication culture fashion. And this was definitely to send a message, not just to other hosts. But to send to us as listeners, no doubt, us, yeah. us as podcasters, um, us as American citizens who might want to speak up, stay in your lane, sit down, shut up. Yep, no doubt. Very good point. 
we're all under the eye of Sauron now, you know. I think it's really that bad. But like they I've read stuff about they're gonna use AI to police podcasts now. So people will just have to move. And you I saw a picture online within the last couple of days of Alex Jones with Tucker Carlson. And Jones, to his credit, kind of still keeps going after yes. all the flack they to it, whatever his issues are, you know, whether he's a showman or whatever, that's part of his shtick. But they really threw the book at him, man. Wow. I it's, thought it was I thought it was pretty bad, William. Yeah. I mean, I mean listen. They, they went after him everything. They did what? the full job. So O'Keefe, uh, Tucker, Jones, they're just going down the line. And Jones kind of had to reformat his whole operation to go independent. But I think he's still going, like to his credit. You know, whatever. I mean, not too many people say bad things about him, but to his credit, he got back up and did it. So maybe uh, Tucker Carlson will have that kind of civic sensibility to not just kind of run away and go play golf and, you know, drink, start drinking at 2 p.m., but actually get back up and, and have his own show. It would be very powerful. I think that he's kind of like uh, you kind of earn your stripes, right? So you earn, you kind of get some kind of when you get censored like that, I think that it shows people that you, you have some kind of integrity to something other than, the, like you said, the, the fascist pharma defense conglomerate state or whatever rollerball state or whatever we're in it's like rollerball or something i don't know if you've seen rollerball seen oh rollerball? i know it well, oh. i've not seen the movie but i know i used oh. to have a rollerball t-shirt let me let me put yeah, this you gotta idea. watch the movie again it's really about this huge global fascist state and about an independent guy who uh james Kahn, who actually you know throws it all away just to kind of be independent well, I, I, that's a great segue to the idea that I'm going to, and I admit that, you know, maybe I'm being idealistic here, but when we look at a guy like Tucker, I can't help but feel, and listen, I was pretty liberal at one point. I grew up in West Texas in a Republican family, and then in my 20s, I went and played punk rock and stuff, and and then I moved out here, you know, and I was very much against the 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 war on terror, the Gulf Wars, all of that. I was a 9-11 truther. And so I think a lot of people thought that I was pretty left. And I guess what I'm saying is, as we grow older, you know, our compass can can move around a little bit while we find ourselves and we find what it is that we stand for. And I'm pretty sure that Tucker was on CNN or MSNBC initially, and now we find him as kind of this torchbearer for, I don't even want to call it the conservative movement. I think it's just people who have traditional values and want to ask questions um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I would like to believe that over time, you know, he's, he thought about things that he might've thought before and his inner working changes a bit. That's certainly what happened to me. I kind of started out over here, moved over here and around, and now I'm kind of back to where I started again. Um, and I think that most people that are intellectually honest can do that. They don't get wedded to one particular ideology, be be okay with moving on if it, if it turns out, you know what, actually, that was not the bill of goods that I thought I was being sold. And this is, or this is just no longer working anymore. And I do think that, that, that Tucker, and I don't know the man, I could be wrong, but my take on him is probably after seeing it all, after seeing how the sausage was made, he's like, you know what, I, there's problems here. Well, he kind of said that he repented, tried to repent for advocating for the Iraq war. So he was, he was That's right. I forgot about that. Not, uh, he was part of the team. His dad has CIA pedigree. Yeah. There's no question about it. Uh, what is it? Radio Free Europe is always a CIA front. So he's got the right wing intel 
you know, pedigree. But I mean, his stuff that he said er earlier, like more recently, like he actually used the word evil. Like you almost never see moralizing uh, in the kind of postmodern uh, corporate conglomerate where nothing really matters. But uh, so maybe he's safe. He like got enough money and he can kind of just say what he wants. Like God, what's the other guy, Dilbert, the creator guy? He, Scott, like, Adams. Said, I, Scott Adams felt like he was immune from it. Like they would have canceled him. They did cancel him yeah, uh, for saying what he did. Um, but he might, uh, Tucker might be in that same space where you can talk. A lot of people can't talk, man. They really can't. Like a lot of people have to go to a corporate job. They're terrified of talking. They, they yeah. cannot tell the truth of what they really think. And it's kind of like, uh, I keep referencing movies. It's like uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Like you have to just kind of go around and spout the, you know, woke propaganda or else you get fired. Well, and to be money. and to be totally honest, William, I mean, I haven't really been at a media outlet yet where I had absolute 100% total freedom because there was a couple of times where like, Parker, we're not going there. And I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. Um, so even on my little levels that I was on, um, there were companies behind these platforms and there would be certain things. No, you can't. You can't talk about that. So it is unfortunately endemic in in this industry of, of news media. And even the small guys sometimes get hit with it. But you're right. A lot of these people are just like, well, wait a minute. If, if I were to go ahead and just go with my gut or my heart, well, then who's going to pay my mortgage? Who's going to put my kids through college? Who's going to pay the car insurance and all these various things? And, uh, you know, at that point, they've got you over a barrel. They do. They really do. It's really uh, just an incredible uh, constructed element of control of these people. Like, you can't really be free. I mean, I guess you have to go get off the grid or something like that. I guess that's <laughs> kind of like the Christian beast system as you just become a drone or Metropolis, the movie or something like that. But well, yeah. Hey, well, William, if, if I may, I wanted to make, there was something else that happened at, that I thought was interesting, which plays into my kind of, vision did you see this thing the other day where a lot of these major corporations and i got a list of them here levi's etsy and i and i've um interviewed one of the former uh high-ranking uh jennifer say from from levi's she basically got pushed out for um being against the vax but anyway so there's a bunch of these companies levi's etsy the kroger brands fries um doordash nestle's who were all sent out these emails to their mailing lists basically saying hey we want to be sensitive to this so you can opt out of mother's day emails did you see that no i did not that's, well that well it raised my hackles um and there's been a little bit of t but this is another thing that's happened in the last like 72 96 hours that people aren't talking about so all of these companies and i got one i got one of these emails here's what levi said Hey there. So Mother's Day is just around the corner. And before we start bombarding you with mom-related content, we just wanted to check in first. We know motherhood and all the associated feelings, emotions, and memories can be tricky and even triggering for some. I won't read the rest, but basically what they're offering you is the opportunity to opt out. I thought that's a little weird. Mother's Day? Really? I mean... Something as benign as that. I think it's the subtle exactly. uh, the attack. It's the subtle attack, right? So like, oh, this is triggering. Mother's Day is triggering. Whoever thought that? 
that's actually kind of like the the real psychological warfare element we're in. Hundred percent. That's exactly what I think this is. William, I think that's exactly what this is. Now, now the pushback has been some people say, well, you know, maybe um, they had a mom who's recently deceased. Maybe they had trouble getting pregnant, or you know, they they some people were just saying, hey, there's particular circumstances in which the idea of motherhood might upset somebody. Okay. All right, I get that, but still, really, I mean, if, if we're going to make these kind of accommodations, I mean, where, where does it stop? And this one guy respond. This one guy responded, if I could find his, and he was his name is Kelvin Chu, and he's just a regular guy on the internet, and he was responding to somebody who was like, you know, we think this is great that they provided this opt out, and he's just he was just arguing. And like I said, this person's name is Kelvin Chu, so this is what he said. But I think I think he said it very well. He goes, the problem lies when the company starts singling out particular topics to appease tiny segments of its consumers without offering opportunities to opt out of other niche topics. It becomes a clear signal of political alignment. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. But also what's so like what's so sinister about Mother's Day? Like if I read an email that doesn't apply with for me, I just move on to the next one. Hundred percent. Yeah, why are you taking this? This is something very strange. There's a real kind of undercurrent of sinisterness about like sullying every kind of uh positive cultural thing. Like you said in the notes, it's like they're getting support a part of going against the family. Oh, I mean, it's so crazy. And uh, you guys, I'm not some crazy prude. I'm just saying that I think the ultimate goal here is to dissolve our faith in anything. If yeah, you believe right. in God, you got to stop doing that. If you got a family, yeah, we're not crazy about that either. Anything that kind of gives you intestinal fortitude, we don't want that. And I know that you talk a lot about the occult on your show, and I've talked a lot about it in the, the occult on my shows, but at the end of the day, what I think they really want is for you to remove yourself from any faith in any kind of spiritual basis and only have faith in things made by man, i.e. government and their corporate partners. I totally agree. And I, I think totally that's what agree. this is all about. And it's like, people will say that I'm nuts, um, but listen, this is, this is what I think it is. And um, I think, I don't think it'll be uh, I don't think it'll be successful, but it's just when I look at something that's crazy. Oh, and one of them, which, oh, here's another thing that's crazy about it. One of the people that signed on to this was Hallmark. So you're telling wow. me, wow. you're telling me that you, how many Hallmark Mother's Day cards do you send? Or, or, or do you, what, what portion of your business is that in a year? But you're willing to forego that to just sign on to this woke messaging, which is clearly woke messaging. It's just, it to me, it's just, like, wow, you guys are really nuts. That's the undercurrent of wokeness. It's a false morality. It's like a false yes. verity. It yeah. presents itself as verity, but it's actually undercurrent. It's like a corrosive poison or cyclone, cyclone B in the culture. It's always that bad. So all those people asking for woke, they cannot leave anything alone. They have to touch and, and sully everything. That's really it. But they never say that. They're always working in the highest morality for We don't want you to be traumatized by Mother's Day. Who the app has been traumatized by Mother's Day? Listen, like, you know I what? don't know I, who's been traumatized. Maybe you don't like your mom or whatever, but like, who gets traumatized? That's a joke. I yeah, lost my I lost my mom just a few years ago. I miss her every single day. It was just her birthday just a few days ago. But for me, like, okay, my wife is a mom. 
So what? I'm I'm supposed to? Yeah, it just it's to me it's just yeah. it's just it's too the crazy and, has, and it's just it's disingenuous. Yeah. It's just the madness yeah. has to end. Yeah, this is really it's gone too far. Yeah, and all the stuff that they said like you cannot like give these people an ounce because they'll take you a mile. They were right because they're taking mm -hmm. the country over the edge. Like all these little he him and all this stuff. It's the road to hell. It's the beginning of the road to hell because the hell is like where. If a man says he's a woman, he's a woman. Like that's just like a just I'm against it. Not that you want to dress like a woman. You are just distorting reality, like actual reality. Like you think a giraffe is a pumpkin, you know? Like you're definitely you cannot be a woman. There's nothing you can do. No operation. No amount of makeup. You'll never be a woman, and a woman will never be a man. So don't start changing the laws for all this stuff. And I think it's part of the warfare against the United States. You know, they 100%. can't beat the United States. External enemies cannot beat the United States militarily. So this is the cultural warfare to undercut from the Chinese, from anybody, really. Anybody who resents the U.S., maybe even the Russians. And so people need to just fight against this like it's a war, because it is. It's, it's just a different kind of warfare. They're not used to it. And I would, I, I think some of these people who are caught up in this don't even realize that they're they being don't. had. Yeah. They, may, they may have very sincere um, mental issues or dysphorias but but they're being played and they don't even know it and Agreed. that so i'm i i'm not trying to pick on any individual i'm just i just fear that these types of things are used against us for ulterior motives and i know oh. that most people probably that listen to your show already know that i think you're 100 right i think it's just not in the front of our consciousness right like you're just arguing about gender and pronouns but there's something more sinister behind it. There, there was a really good comment I had saw today. It's like, who would have thought all this stuff would end up just the total ruination of American culture? Because that's where we're at. We're at the total ruination. Like that's the whole thing about the the acceptance of cancel culture or censorship. It all comes comes down from this beginning of this kind of woke false morality. Oh, we can do this after Tucker. You can't if you don't like what somebody says. Like I'm a free speech absolutist too. Absolutist too. Turn it off. Yep. The Nazis can spout all they want. Turn it off. The racists can spout for whatever ethnic group you're from. Go just don't listen to something else. I like it when actually people say negative things because I know what they're really thinking. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, they did. They, they out themselves. And yeah. um, so, oh my gosh, there's something. So I was anyway, like I mean, it's it's all part of the the Tucker thing, right? The yeah. Tucker firing is part of uh, not allowing free speech to happen. Or just like people allowing people to express themselves and live because you have to have a job to survive. Yep. So Tucker may be safe, but think about the other 99%. What is it? 50. I think that I don't even know what the stats are now. 50% of the people cannot afford a $500 charge like that. We're in a slave state. Like, yep. let's not let's not lie to each other. There may be a nice people that you idolize celebrities who are making money, but the majority of Americans are in servitude. And slavery. I really mean slavery. It's I, just I, a happier slavery. I don't mean. I mean, it's not it's as modern bad as feudalism. Being, it's modern feudalism, absolutely. And, and you said something. Step out of line. Can't step you, out of line. you said something a minute ago. Now I'm getting all fired up. Um, you said something a minute ago. A, a very important word, which I think is the core of all of this. You said we're arguing. That's the whole point, man. That is the whole point. Let's get everybody tribal and arguing amongst each other because if we can keep them all, you know, the whole house divided thing, if I can keep all of these people split into their little groups, I've got them under my no. thumb. If they were all 
if they all were part of one thing, then we're done. Right. So it's like, if I can keep them arguing about this, that, or the other thing, then I can control them. And I, and, and ultimately that's what's happening. It's just creating these situations in which we all fight against each other instead of realizing we're all on the same team. We're on the same team. We're fighting against oligarchs who are like poisoning us, uh, driving us into slave debt, slavement or flat out servitude while they grift and graft off of tax dollars and do useless wars that the average person is going to have to, you know, carry the water for. It is insane. And the only way they can get through with it to, to enforce it is just, massive amounts of propaganda through all the corporate media that's how they get away with it it's total lies they just avoid talking to stories about the real nature of ukraine if the average person knew the real nature of ukraine i don't know how they could support it i don't know how they could support the war i don't i think the russians i mean i'm not a putin ally don't call me funny names me either i mean i don't know why uh, the russians would be happy when they fought these vicious border wars in their past they've been invaded twice and they're sensitive about it. And then yet NATO keeps putting their finger in their, their chest. It doesn't make sense. Who cares? William, NATO I, is supposed to be a defensive thing, not uh, offensive to go up to their border and put nukes on it. William, I said on deprogram, I don't know how many times, and I mean it, it's like I stand with the people of Ukraine and the people of Russia. That's who I'm not, I'm not a big Putin fan either. Certainly not a Zelensky fan. I'm with the people, and the people in those countries did not deserve the machinations that were used against them to get them into this crisis that is now a humanitarian disaster. Yeah, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. A lot of that food is taken off the global market, too. So imagine if you're like a you know, kingpin pulling the strings. You know that this war is going to affect food prices, food distribution. You can leverage that into making some serious cash. So there's all kinds of uh, secondary, tertiary... Uh, financial plays on the global markets for wheat and all this other stuff that people would know like oh we're not stopping this war we're going to tell you we're going to stop but like all these kind of things that's how these people think at the top that the average person doesn't even comprehend that that well and the, means for manipulation yeah and the energy issues is another thing because you just reminded me another thing that really drove me nuts and like we clearly yeah you probably saw that clip today this uh this young man rose up at a, I don't remember what the yeah. meeting was, but it was, uh, it was editors or publishers from the Washington Post, LA Times, New York Times. This guy rises up. Well, my, and now my electricity is going out. Um, he basically saying, Hey, why are you guys not talking about the bombing of Nord Stream? Seymour Hirsch put out a good story. And listen, I mean, I think we all knew that from the get go. That right, we did right. it. We sensed it, right? Yeah. And 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 this is another thing where the legacy of media, they're just completely carrying water for the Biden administration, who essentially committed a war crime, right? That that has major energy um, issues for countries, not even just Russia. So, and and this is just glossed over that we're still talking about it. Well, it must have been Russia, or it was this group, or it was that group. No, I'm pretty sure we were in charge of it. Seymour Hirsch wrote a good story about it, and the legacy media will not give it the time of day. Right. It tells you they're all controlled. They're all uh, puppeteered, blackmailed. That's why you can never get a tr any truth from the corporate media. They're really just, you know, stenographers for the powerful people. They know it. They all know it. That's why, I mean, you know, the, the, you, uh, the laws in this country were changed or manipulated to make sure that these huge media conglomerates exist. 
to screw the rest of us. So, uh, so that, I mean, when the next iteration of this country, they need to change the laws to keep that kind of uh, toxic uh, power uh, for the media because it's only done a disservice to the people. Like there's little guy, Liza, I mean, I'm tiny, but like that's the people who are trying to, uh, you know, tell the truth is like all these uh, smaller independent guys, man. It's crazy. Well, and, and also, so this, I was listening to, to Lionel the other day and, and I like Lionel. It just takes him forever to get to his point sometimes, but he was making a point the other day. He was talking about the whole dominion lawsuit and it's like, and I think you and I spoke about this on Friday, how, you know, this is now going to filter down to now I'm liable for just potentially agreeing with the, what someone else might have said, depending. So, I mean, it, this is a very chilling effect and like yourself, I'm also a free speech person, and I think the more speech, the better. And if a person is wrong, it will be pretty apparent to most people. Um, but not allowing that person to say what they have on their mind is even worse, which brings me up to this one thing I saw just before you and I went live. And and Jink Uger over, I think I'm saying his name correctly, over the Young Turks, you know, and they're very... Democrat and, left, yeah, left. This is what they said. And, and I agree with this. My wife and I were talking about this as well. This is his tweet. It says DNC has already announced that it will not allow any debates in 2024 primary. Biden is not to be challenged. Everyone, everyone on the Democratic side must shut up and fall in line. Not having debates is undemocratic and ridiculous. No progressive should agree to this kind of power grab. And I say the same thing for Trump. It's like Trump was saying that he doesn't want to have debates. I'm like, bro, that's part of the reason you got nominated the first time around is you did well in the debates. I didn't think he did as well the second time around. But it's like any of this idea of, no, we're not going to have debates. No, I'm not on board with that at all. You should have debates. And when you don't have debates, that should make everybody start paying attention. Like, well, why aren't you having debates? We all know what the answers are. But even this guy is criticizing his team about it. Good point. I mean, when people, I mean, the average American has to really be aware. I think a lot of people really are. Yeah. They know that they were either at tyranny or encroaching towards total tyranny. So um, this time they're going to put the, you know, they're not going to take us into Auschwitz. They're not going to put us on trains and take us anywhere. They're just going to build it up around your 15 minute city. That's the danger of the 15 minute city. Cause it's supposed to, all this stuff is supposed to be smarter or for your benefit. It's really not. And once they get you in that 15 minute, minute city, talk about your ability to uh, complain or anything, they'll just shut off your power and freeze you to death or something, you know? So people, I mean, I'm, that's the whole thing. And a lot of these countries, they probably didn't see it coming. Even the Germans, uh, there were people who were like, didn't know how bad it was going to get. It just got worse and worse and worse. And to the point where they were propagandized and they could not complain or they go to the, to the work camp, you know, go to the concentration camp. Same thing happened really in Russia too. They would send you the gulag, right? So, well, and here in America, all you have to do is make a person unpopular. If a person feels like they're going to be unpopular, which I think is part of the whole idea behind social media, was like, listen, we're going to pry this thing in which we don't take your information, you give it to us. And the added bonus is, is we can now weaponize that to keep you from actually saying what we don't want you to say, because if you say it, we're going to tilt the algorithm in such a way that now you're losing a part of your, your friend base or your job. So people have become very, very compliant. And this was not at um, the point of a gun. It was just the threat 
of being unpopular. Right. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, there's so much interesting things going on, Mike. But that this Tucker, I mean, to bring it around circle board 55 yep. minutes, the Tucker firing really is going to be changed. I'm curious to see what his next move is. Because if he goes free, he may be like one of those people who is a little bit too too outspoken, that the establishment does not want somebody too outspoken to, you know, kind of energize the masses, you know, like Robert Kennedy Sr. or Robert Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. JFK. Or MLK, like, mm, well, let's talk about Robert Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for just a second, because yeah. I, I I'm on record, and I'm you guys, I'm not even really a Republican. I I probably lean that way. I'm more of a I'm a Ron Paul guy, man. I'm more libertarian than anything else. He's, but I can see most sides of a conversation or argument because I don't believe that one side is absolutely correct in any of this. I think there's there's reasonable aspects of all sides of the conversation. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr., when he announced his, his um, candidacy the other day, my sister-in-law and my wife were both very, very pleased. And um, I was like, you guys are never going to let this happen. Just trust me. I, I, I hate to be the one to say it. Ain't it ever going to happen? Now, that being said, I hope that I'm wrong. And maybe... He knows that, and maybe his ultimate purpose is to actually just get his word out. He, whatever it is, I support the man, and I support the message that he's trying to get out there. And, um, you know, I, I could see potentially voting for the guy. Um, I just, I just, I'm afraid they're never going to let that happen. Right. Me too. I, I said in another interview, stay away from Dallas and stay away from any hotels. You know, that's kind of the Kennedy curse. Or Chappaquiddick, right? So, you know, you got to be very, you better be very careful because, they, you know, these people in power, they are bloated like a big fat tick. They've had so much money, they're used to the power. So somebody else who wants to throw that up, throw that out. I mean, Big Pharma's a giant. It's just like the billions that they made off of COVID were off the charts and they made money off of the, you know, solution to COVID with Paxlovid and all this stuff. I mean, it's just so sick. They all and, and Biden administration went along with it, and we 100%. can talk about the injuries. That's a whole other show, Robert Kennedy. Yeah, we should talk about that. So, it's like, man, I did yeah. so many things about COVID from that. Listen, in nineteen, I'm sorry, 2019, I was in Abilene, Texas, and um, you know, in my deep parts of the conspiracy boards that I follow, and they were talking about this thing called COVID, you know, and I, but I immediately right off the bat, I mean, to me, 2019 December, I was like, okay, bioweapon. This doesn't strike me as something that I would disbelieve. So, of, of course, this is happening. And then it plays out and is still playing out. And we're still arguing about where it came from, how it occurred, what you're going to have to do. Um, but really, it made us incredibly compliant. And that's that's one of the saddest there was aspects a very of the whole thing. Good, I'll send this. Our, we can talk about this one next time. It was just published April 17th, 2023, titled Muddy Waters. The Origins of the COVID-19 Report by Bob Cadlick. Actually, they pretty much said flat out from a lab. Gain, mm-hmm. a, fun- gain a function from a lab. So I think that that kind of settles it. It's a pretty oh, well-read report. So I'll they, they knew. They, yeah, knew. they knew because they, they ran knew. in those circles of the people who did it. And it got, you know, um, I, I interviewed uh, Dr. Andrew Huff back in December, and we discussed all oh, this. Wow. Of course, but we, we all knew this. I mean, we all knew what this was. And so these days. They lied. They just lied about it, right? Yeah. And, um, it, and it, but at the end, end of the day, 
it definitely changed the way that we behave. And so now yeah, we no, go no. home and we listen to rules a lot better than we did before. Now there's a contingent like you and I and the people that listen to Tucker and so on that. Well, I, I went this, along but, with it at the beginning, you know, I've got well, we had you. We didn't have a choice. I've been a sucker. I've been a sucker for 9-11. I've been a sucker for the COVID thing, but at a certain point I was like, Hey, this is, this isn't good. There's well, something, even something else is going on here. This is not, but we didn't even have a, we didn't even have a choice. If you wanted to go to Costco, if you wanted to go get some groceries for your family, I mean, even, even if you saw through it, you had no choice, but to mask up, get in line, shut up, wait till you could push your cart into the store and get what they would allow you to get. Oh, you can only have one package of toilet paper this time. And I mean, the whole thing is just like, I mean, I, I, I thought I could see through it, but I, I went along with this stuff too, because I felt like I had no choice. It didn't, didn't really, didn't really. I mean, I think they put the, the big bamboozle on all of us, but uh, yeah. we got a lot of talk about it. I didn't know you talked to Huff. You've had some serious <laughs> guests, dude. Got some legit stuff, man. I, I, I've got to go back. How do I find your guest list on on TNT? Is it available? Oh, yeah. So, so okay. So a bunch of those shows, and I'll be honest. Let me just say one last thing about. So, so I had to do, at one point I was doing three guests a day, and I think you and I discussed that. Which honestly, it's that's grueling. too much for me it's because grueling, yeah. this I've conversation. Yeah, it's it's really hard, and I didn't feel that that was my best work when you've got to do three hour long interviews in a day me because too. I like I like to think my way through this instead of just talk it's like i like to kind of approach things like what are the most important things that we need to express and so i felt like that was too much during a day but if people want to see it it's on podbean and if you just look for michael parker deprogram tnt radio something like that they're all still there on podbean but like i say there's 600 hours so there's a lot of people in there and some of them you know were better than others and um Interesting. you know because it was just a, a gigantic amount of material the, the antidote stuff, on the other hand, which you can find on YouTube, is probably more entertaining and actually truer to what I'm really about, which is spend time thinking about things and then, you know, um, not having to just shoot from the hip. Right. Three. I've done three per day and I've done four and I was like, four is way too much. Three is even oh. way too much. You can't prep. You can't prep enough. I think I, I, I like agree. To prep at least a couple hours. 100%. Think about what's going on. Yeah. Yep. So, but yeah, I mean. Dude, you have so much experience, it's off the charts. So we'll have to do another one. I want to talk about um, Vegas. Like, I didn't know all the stuff about the helicopters and the Saudis and all that stuff. I I lost kind of track of it, but there's so much. We we, we could talk about that. And um, because the show, the Hidden Truth show for people who want to um, look into that, because that that show had already begun. I came on towards the end. But um, yeah, I produced a whole bunch of those. And it was very interesting. Um, we even talked to the shooter's brother. Um, Jim was the first person to speak to him. It was really incredibly interesting and tragic story, but um, really interesting. But if I could, if I could, to your listeners, you guys, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's just Michael Parker LA, LA, of course, before Los Angeles. And I would love to have some new followers and tell yeah, me, tell me what's follow. on your mind. And that's on your link tree. So if I put your link tree up, you can find Antidote, your YouTube channel, which I have up, Deprogram, Instagram, Twitter, your music, and then iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp. So people Thank can you. find all of his stuff on there. Thank you, William. But I will definitely have you back. We have a lot to talk about. Oh, my God. All right. So today we finished. We talked about the Tucker issue. Very important. But uh, Michael Parker, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it.
William, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Peace. Likewise. Likewise. Stay there.